John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, after talking about Thomas's question, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of your word and the help of your word, and that we can bring our questions to it. Lord, just thanks again for providing for us, and I pray that you would just continue to be those who are struggling physically, that you would uh, strengthen them, pray that you would heal them, Lord, I pray that you would be with those who are struggling emotionally, that you would just comfort them and give your grace, and those who are struggling spiritually, God, you would just open their eyes and draw them to yourself. Lord, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is Christianity too narrow? Which is kind of an odd question. I didn't write it. It, it sounds like narrow to a certain point is okay, but too narrow, we don't want that. So uh, is Christ, what is the, actually the question we're talking about today? Is Christianity too narrow? Or really, is Christianity too exclusive? Is Christianity too exclusive? We are fine with exclusivity on certain things. If you are in an airline, you buy a ticket, you want your airline pilot to be exclusive and take you to where you want to go. You you want that. You want to be exclusive that way. If if your doctor uh, calls you, you want him to be exclusively concerned about you. If you are... We were up in Minneapolis this week for a conference, and I went to this hotel, nice hotel downtown. We get there. Uh, we had to find out where the parking garage was, which was around the block. So I, I jumped, jumped out, uh, talked to the guy, and he said, hey, I can, I can take your bags. Uh, so I said, great. So he, we, he took our bags up to our room. Um, and I was very glad he was exclusive about where my bags ended up, and I didn't have to search around to, to find them. And it, we're, we, we like that kind of exclusivity. We're very comfortable. We, we want that type of exclusivity. But there are some concerns about exclusivity, which is when it comes to religion and to faith. And the truth is, the reason some people feel this way, that Christianity is too narrow or too exclusive, is because through history, people have been hurt by faith and have been hurt by religions. And religions have caused a lot of disunity and unpeace. So there is a genuine concern that people have, and it's something that people wonder about, and even probably a number of you. A study was done a couple years ago that said 46% of church people in America believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, that Half of those who go to church just say, God's, he's, he's, he accepts all religious beliefs as fine. It's all the same. Is that true? Does God accept all beliefs as equal and the same? And is Christianity, are we just way too narrow to say what Jesus said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to God yet through him? So this morning, as we look at that, we're just going to ask a couple of questions. One is, what does the culture say about this? Why does the charge of exclusivity make us uncomfortable? What is it that we need to consider? And then, what's the call 
the Jesus. Okay, well, what, what's the cultural response? We saw some of that from the video, but what, what's pop culture say today about Christianity and just religions being um, exclusive? They, they, they are, there's two views. In pop culture, there's just either atheism, which says there is no God, so none of this actually matters Anyway, all beliefs are false, so there is no real concern about it. So that's one view of pop culture. The other view is that there is inclusivism, which is everything is included. All religions have measures of truth to them, or all are true. You, you can go to any bookstore, and you'll find all kinds of books that just talk about this. That say that all religions are, are, are there's, there's, they're all just basically going into the same place. They're all heading in the same direction. This is very popular even in movies, even in our comedies. In, uh, in, in Talavega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, who is a uh, NASCAR driver. And he's, uh, he's trying to drive around, and, and he, he gets off to the side of the road. I mean, there's nothing more American than a NASCAR guy from the south, and he thinks he's on fire, and he jumps out of his car, running around, and, and uh, Will Ferrell's character yells out, Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Use your witchcraft on me to get the fire off me. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, that, 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 just, that is the view of pop culture. Somebody help me. Anybody help me, because you're all basically the same anyway. That, that's what pop culture views. It, it, this is the statement that is expressed. Well, of course there can't be just one way to God. Maybe you've had somebody say that to you as you talk to them. Well, it just, of course there can't be one way to God. What is important in our culture is not doctrine today, but tolerance. Meaning that they would say we're, everybody's just taking a different route to the same place. It, just, it doesn't really matter which route you take. You're, it, as far as religion goes, they all are going to end up in the same place. And if you don't agree with that statement, then you are a narrow-minded bigot. That's the view of culture. Now, all religions are just heading to the same place anyway, and anybody that disagrees with that is narrow-minded. That's our pop, pop culture, which is why we need to explore this question. And even for some of you, you might be wondering, but why does that charge of exclusivism just make us uncomfortable? Even when you hear that, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. Why does it make us, even as believers often, many of you, when someone charges us with, well, you're intolerant. That, that's intolerant. That there's a part of us that it makes us uncomfortable. We, we feel uncomfortable. Well, why is that? I, I think it's human because it just does, doesn't it? The, the last thing we want in our culture is to have somebody tell us we're intolerant. They're, and some people use that to, to people because that, that's supposed to be the thing. Well, you're just intolerant. And then we all just freeze because we're not really sure what to do because the last thing we want to be is considered intolerant. Well, why is that? Because we're nice. I mean, we live in the Midwest. We live in small town, rural, suburbanish. Whatever you want to be, you can be out here. If you want to be rural, you're rural. If you want to feel like you're suburban, you're suburban. But the main thing is you're just a nice person. You're from the Midwest. So the last thing you want 
Is your co-worker thinking that you are intolerant, that you're a narrow-minded bigot? We're, we're nice people, aren't we? Cold people today. Uh, we're not sure if we're nice or not. Well, we, we deep down, we, we don't want people saying that we're intolerant. We want people to think we're nice. We want people to think we're friendly. So it kind of bothers us. But a, a bigger reason why it bothers some of you and so, as people is because we've interacted with people from different cultures. We, we've traveled. We, we've seen the world. We, we've worked with different people from different religions. People are moving in here all the time. We know different people who have different beliefs. And guess what? They're nice people too. They work hard. Some of them are better than us. Some of them are much nicer than us. Some of them are more intelligent than us. They're more skilled. We like them. And then for us to have to say, that faith system that they're following is taking them away from God can be difficult. So we, we do have to acknowledge, because God created the world, that there is a common grace that he's given to everybody. And we need to cooperate with that common grace and enjoy, and we should be able to see it. But as we interact with different cultures and the world gets smaller and smaller, we find out that well, there's some really good people who believe totally differently than I do. Than I do. And particularly if you are heading off to college for the first time. That's what a lot of you experienced this for the first time. You, you, you grew up with a certain segment of people, then you went to college, and you met a whole different segment of people, and they had a whole different views than you did, and then you tried to balance, what does Christianity say? And how, how, can they, this be, how can this be right and them be wrong? And how can, who's right and who's wrong? It bothers us when we're being called Exclusive. But what we need to confront, and what's good about this question, and why we need to talk about it, because it is a good opportunity for us. Because the world is different. Because things are changing. Things are much smaller than they used to be. And we often are not very intentional about our faith. So you can grow up in church. You can be here every Sunday 50 years old, and have no idea what you really believe. You'd be 60 years old and never really examined the Bible, never really examined Christianity. You just hung out with a group of people that are nice for a long time, just plotted along with them, but you're not really intentional about your faith. Or you could be 15, and it's just nice and cozy, and never really examined your faith. The, 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 what we need to do with these questions is take the opportunity to be very intentional with your faith and, and admit it. And admit that you might be 65 years old and you wonder, are all, Christian, are all religions the same? And just say it out loud and admit, I've got questions. And then ask for help. And say, where can I really start searching my faith out? How can I evaluate this? and address it so that you can know what, what it says. There is help for that. But we don't, we don't like the charge, but it's a good opportunity for us to be intentional and to consider what we believe, and what the Bible says, and what Christianity says 
about itself. So what is it that we need to consider? When people hear Jesus say, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. What do we need to consider? There, there, there's, some, there's some views on that whole charge of intolerance. One, one of those popular views, I call it the popular view, is that all major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. Well, people will say this. How will you answer that question? That all major religions, Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, the major ones, they all teach basically the same thing. And this is the view that people say to people of faith. The problem with that statement, that popular view, is that all major religions make exclusive truth claims. They all say exclusive things, and some of them And all of them are totally different from each other. Some of their descriptions, someone said that, who made this statement one time, said, well, the person asked them, well, what's your description of God then? And their description of God was that he's an all-loving spirit in the universe. The problem with that is that a number of the major faiths don't even believe that God is a loving God, that there is a such thing as a loving God. And here's the problem with this popular view. When someone says all major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing, that in itself is an exclusive truth claim. They are exclusively saying that if you don't believe all major religions are equally valid and teach the same thing, then you're wrong and I'm right. That's an exclusive statement. The whole statement itself is exclusive. It's not a logical statement. It it sounds really powerful at first, kind of like a polar vortex. You know, it's powerful at first. Everybody huddles in. I'm not sure what to do with that. And then when you think about it, wait a second, they're they're making an exclusive statement about faith. And and it, it loses its logic. The popular view doesn't hold up to investigation. But then there's another view that people have given, which I call the elephant view, which is each religion sees part of spiritual truth, but none can see the whole truth. And the illustration that has been given by this is that there's been, there's this idea that uh, a bunch of blind guys, you may have heard this illustration, are out, in the, are out in the jungle and they come across an elephant and one grabs the elephant's tail and he says, oh, it's a snake. And the other one sees his leg, grabs his leg, and says, no, it's not a snake, it's, it's sturdy, it's a tree. And the other one grabs his ear and says, what, are you guys are crazy. It's, it's, it's not a tree or a snake, it's, it's like a piece of paper, it's thin. And the other one grabs his trunk and says, no, it's not, it's, it's a hose. And people will say, this, this, is, this is religions, that, they, they, that each religion, it just, it just sees part of spiritual truth, but none of them can see all of the truth. So you can't claim that your faith is the only exclusive right truth because all religions have faith. Leslie Newbigin was a missionary for years. He'd hear these people say this. They'd use this illustration over again, the elephant. They'd just tell them, hey, hey all, all faith religions, there's faith and there's, there's truth in all of them. You, you can't say yours is the only one with truth. And as he kept hearing it, it dawned on him that here's the problem with this illustration. The, the story 
is constantly told in order to neutralize the affirmation of the great religions to suggest that they learn humility and recognize that none of them can have more than one aspect of the truth. But of course, the real point of the story is the exact opposite. The story is told by someone who can see and is the immensely arrogant claim of one who sees the full truth of the world's religions are only groping after. The, the, the illustration points to not somebody sees the whole elephant. Some, somebody knows that it's an elephant that these blind guys are looking at. So somewhere, when someone says, hey, all religions have truth, uh, and, and they have parts of truth, it, the, the logic doesn't hold up. Each religion sees part of spiritual truth, but none can see the whole truth. That statement doesn't mean that there isn't one who sees all truth, and there is not a full truth. And the third, the third argument people will say about why you can't say a faith is exclusive nowadays is, they would, I, I call it the cul-de-sac view, which is religious belief is too culturally and historically conditioned to be true. Years ago, people would be more concerned with which religion is true. Nowadays, people are saying, well, basically all are false anyway. None of them really matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is because you believe what you believe because you were born in America. You're Christians, or you have a Christian faith because you're in a culture that was of a Christian faith. So because you were born in your cul-de-sac and hung out with the exact same people who had the similar sets of belief, of course you're going to believe that. That's just what you do. But again, that's proven not to be true because the whole idea, that statement, is an exclusive statement. Because someone could say, if you were born a, in Africa, they would say, well, if you, you just believe Christian things because you're in America. If you were in Madagascar, you'd be a Muslim, because that's what they believe. And the people who say that to you, you would have to say, well, first of all, the reason you're even questioning it is because you were raised in a Western culture. Uh, so your whole basis of your question and argument doesn't make sense. People throw out these things to us. They, they throw out all these different views of why a faith can't say it has the truth. The problem with those views is when you examine them, at first they freeze us. But when you examine the logic of them, they don't hold up. But the problem is all faiths, we, we, we want an answer to the question. Mark Lila was a professor at the University of Chicago. He's a secularist. He, he didn't believe that there was one true faith. And one of his students became a Christian at a Billy Graham convention and went forward. And, and, and Mark Lila, the professor at the University of Chicago, it, it so frustrated him that, that this person he felt was throwing his life away by believing in God and believing in a faith. And he, he wrote this. He said, I wanted to cast doubt on the step that he was to take to help him see that there are other ways to live and other ways to seek knowledge, love, even self-transformation. I wanted to convince him his dignity depended on maintaining a free, skeptical attitude towards doctrine. I wanted to save him. Doubt, like faith, has to be learned. It's a skill. But the curious 
thing about skepticism is that its adherents, ancient and modern, have so often been proselytizers. In reading them, I've often wanted to ask, why do you care? Their skepticism offers no good answer to that question, and I don't have one for myself. So even skeptics, they want to convince somebody. They want to proselytize. They want to say, you have to believe my way. You know, they, want to, they, they want to see. It's not too narrow to claim one belief system is right any more than it is to claim one way to think about belief systems is right. Christianity is not too narrow. We all beliefs, all beliefs have exclusive beliefs to them. That's how beliefs work. Christianity is not too narrow, but for most of us this morning, I think most of you would agree with that. But my concern for Cornerstone and for most of us this morning, the question isn't Christianity is too narrow, but has Christianity become too numb? Are we just numb to what the Bible says about true Christianity? Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they were troubled in John 14. And, he, and he, they were concerned about their life. And things really mattered to them. They weren't numb to faith. And Thomas asked him a question, and Jesus' answers was, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. This is the call of Jesus. So what Jesus calls you to, to this faith of Christianity, what Jesus calls you to is to absolute allegiance. And this troubles many people. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, if anyone, including you, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus made very exclusive claims to the people that said they were following him. He made absolute allegiance claims. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and follow me. That's the call of Jesus. But here's why this is good news. This is why Christianity is the better answer for all the issues that we are dealing with. This is why for Christianity is numb. And it's just been a lot of head stuff for a while. And that heart and fire in you. We need to wake and hear what Jesus says. What his call is to us. Because this type of call of Jesus, this is a funnel for us. It's an exclusive funnel for you to have true freedom. Everybody wants freedom today. Everybody wants to be, have truly true freedom. Freedom is what people don't, what they think is against exclusive claims is if they hold to an exclusive claims, they aren't going to be free. It, it will restrict you. But that's not how true freedom works. Following Jesus and freedom come because it funnels us. I mean, just look at the life of Tom Brady. 41 years old, 
who's going to play in the Super Bowl today, who could have had all the freedom in the world to eat as many donuts as most 40-year-olds have, and as I did this past week, and live his life however he wants. But he doesn't do that. He has so disciplined and funneled and restricted his life so that he could be an elite athlete or an elite musician who gives up so many other things so that spends hours and hours, funnels their lives so that they can actually be free to do and be what God has called them to be, to be at the best of what God has called them to be. The call of Jesus is restrictive and is exclusive, but it's exclusive so that you can be free and be what God has called you to completely be. It, it funnels you because there's flourishing available to you in following Jesus Christ. What is it to be truly human? That's the question people are asking all the time. Now, what, what is it to be a fully functioning human in our culture? 27-year-old girl this week killed herself, highly successful, because she came to the point where she said in her, her letter to her mom, I'm sorry, but all these things that I've enjoyed in life, all these moments that were supposed to make it so special for me, I was numb to them. It, they meant nothing to me. She, she couldn't find where she was flourishing. So her answer to that was to take her life. But Jesus gives life. Jesus like, came to give life and life more abundantly. So you can have a flourishing life. I mean, just look at Jesus. The way you see it is by looking at Jesus, who had all power. I mean, Jesus was the most flourishing human life that there ever was. He was absolute power, total humility, truth, generous, justice. He had absolute compassion. I mean, look who was drawn to Jesus. What kind of people came to Jesus? People who were vulnerable brokenhearted. Those are the ones that were come to him. Jesus lived such a life. If you look at the Gospels and examine Jesus' life, you're going to say, that, that's a guy, that's a, that's a life that flourished. That's what Christianity calls us to. But more than just this call of Jesus that will funnel you and will give you the flourishing because of who Jesus is, Christianity gives even greater news for us it gives us forgiveness the argument is that christianity and jesus it's not good because it's exclusive the truthful is jesus was unbelievably inclusive look who jesus called to come to himself the weak the weary the sinners he hung out with them he ate with them, he enjoyed them, he talked to them, he wanted to be with them. Jesus' life is very inclusive. So what Jesus' life shows to us, what other religions say, is that you have to climb your way to God. You, you plow, you dig, you work real hard, and eventually, somehow, you'll get to God. That's not what Christianity says at all. Christianity says, you don't have to climb your way to God, God come, came down to you. And he came down to you because you needed to be forgiven. You, you, you lived and chose to live a life that wasn't flourishing. You decided to go your own way, and your own way has not created flourishing for you. 
Your own way and my own way has created pain, heartache, division, separation. And Jesus says, I will come and I will give forgiveness to that. I'll rescue from that so that you can flourish. And so you can, we can bring our questions to Jesus, even the amazing hard ones. When you look at Christianity and you look at Jesus' life, examine Jesus, who is Christianity, it's amazing love. The question is, how could he be so inclusive? How could he include me? It's amazing love. How can it be that I should gain an entrance before God through Jesus Christ? In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, when Jesus was talking to people and the rich young ruler, this guy came up all kind of cocky and arrogant and he was wanting to know how he could be right with God. And he came up to Jesus and he had his questions to Jesus. It says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That's what Jesus can do for you. If you're numb to Christianity because you haven't looked at Jesus, listen, most of you in this room would say to me, Paul, I don't believe Christianity is too narrow. But just pause for a moment and say, Paul, would you say my Christianity is, is a little numb? And it could be that you have kind of paused for a while from really looking at Jesus looking at who he is, how he provides flourishing, how he provides forgiveness. And I would just say to you, if you believe that Christianity is too narrow and exclusive, go, go ask God. Seek God. Study Jesus. And if you're honest this morning, and you do, might say, hey, my, my Christianity is a little numb. It's not numb because there's something wrong with Christianity. It's numb because we've stopped looking at Jesus. So I would say go seek God. Study Jesus. Because Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. 